0: welcome to another bonus podcast my name is Thalia I'm one of the pastors on staff here at Northview and I am sitting with my trusty two friends Crystal and Aaron hello hello So we have to give a shout out to some of our faithful listeners. My sister is one of them, Naomi. She lives in North Vancouver and she attends a different church, but she is our very faithful listener and often gives me tips. So hi, Naomi. (laughs) Thinking of you today. Crystal, you are thinking of a few people. Yeah. um,
1: Our listeners are not just women. And so I want to say hi to Joe in Mission. He always (laughs) gives us good feedback when I come to MC there. He talks about the podcast he listened to that week.
2: And I'll shout out to Gwen, who's folding her laundry right now. This it's is funny sometimes yeah. when we talk to
0: people and they'll say, oh, I was just listening to you on podcast. So we are going to do um, today a little bit of a take on the sermon series. We are in the Storytime Sermon Series. This was the last weekend. And we are going to be, after this, moving into Wise Up, which is the Proverbs for, did you say seven weeks? Six or Crystal? seven weeks, yeah. Okay. So this story time was from Matthew 22, 1 to 14, about a wedding banquet. And so we're going to do a quick... Sermon recap on that. And our main point is we want to talk about how do we get into that final wedding banquet in heaven. Mm Mm-hmm. And part of that goes into discipleship. And what is the new vision for discipleship here at Northview? It's been revamped a, bit, a little bit. We're trying to make it clearer for everybody who attends our church. And so we want to talk a little bit about that. So stay tuned, even if you attend a different church, because we think these kinds of things are probably happening in your own church that you attend.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just good to think about it. Mm-hmm. I was um, talking teaching at Precept last week and... Um, introducing this idea to a lot of our precept women and some of them do come from other churches. And I said, don't plug your ears just because you hear us talking about what Northview's doing because I think these things are transferable mm-hmm. to every congregation for growing as a Christian. How can you grow in your, in your walk with God?
0: Yeah, and we've actually had our pastors and elders for over two years now intentionally visiting other churches locally, across mm-hmm. Canada and across the US, yeah. learning from other churches to find out what could we implement here at Northview that would suit our congregation. Yeah, that
1: would help us grow
0: disciples. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that at the last half of the podcast. Okay, so let's start with a little bit of a sermon recap, Crystal. Well, why don't you read the passage? Oh, yes, that's right. Matthew (laughs) 22. That's right. I forgot about that. Matthew 22, 1 to 14, if you want to follow along in your Bibles. I'm reading from the ESV. Uh, This is Jesus. He is speaking to his disciples, but the chief priests and Pharisees are listening in. So he says, and again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. So Greg preached on this
1: topic or on this text in the Abbotsford campus. Matt Glezos preached on it in mission. I haven't had a chance to listen to Matt's yet, um, but we'll, so we'll kind of comment on Greg's and if you listen to Matt's and you want to add in any questions or whatever from that, feel free to send them our way. Uh, Greg framed it as uh, the two things that anger the King. I'm going to flip it on a little bit of uh, kind of its opposite side in the sense of we're talking about how do we get into heaven? And so, um, when he talked about what angered the king, we're going to talk about the opposite of that. How do we actually not anger the king? Mm-hmm. And so the two ways are to accept the invitation that the king offers and then also to wear the right clothes at the wedding mm-hmm. banquet. And so we're going to talk, unpack that a little bit. We're using the same categories that Greg did, just flipping it on the, uh, as a positive side. Um, so accepting the invitation, um, that's a big deal. We just had a wedding. Yes, uh, Clayton, my son, and Taylor just got married this, this um Last weekend, mm-hmm. and it is a big deal to send out invitations to people, yeah. and to uh, and they honor us by their attendance, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were teaching this parable, similar kind of parable in Luke, this last little while uh, in in spring, I talked about the fact that sometimes we can blow off invitations and sometimes we move heaven and earth to be somewhere. Yeah. And basically what this parable is showing is that these people really didn't care about this invitation to the wedding banquet. Mm-hmm. Like Greg's saying, it's not that they didn't know about it, they had the save the date on the fridge, mm-hmm. they knew that this banquet was coming but they, for them it wasn't really important. Yeah. And so I know even for my son's wedding, there's people who had, they were like scheduled to be here. They were flying in from far away. Their flight was canceled and yet wow. they found a way around the flight cancellation to actually make it here in time because yeah. for them it was important to be there. And so as Christians, that should be our attitude towards this wedding banquet that God is providing for us, that we should want to move heaven and earth to be there, mm-hmm. change whatever we need to do in our life. Prioritize our life in order to make this something that happens. Yeah. um, To actually be there. It shows our value for the wedding banquet. Yeah. Whether or not we accept that invitation. Yeah. Anything else you wanted to add on that piece?
0: Oh, it's good. I keep hearing that Morse code. So you hear that when you're listening. I'm sorry. We don't know what that is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So accepting the invitation is the first part. And the second part is wearing the right clothes. Now, my parents were actually at an event one time where they talked about this is actually physically wearing the right suit and (laughs) stuff when you come to church. But I don't think that's what the parable is getting at. I was nudging
2: my teenagers. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No No. shorts. No (laughs) shorts. Totally out of context. Yeah. But
1: there is a certain thing about coming, that you honour people, honour the person giving you the invitation by showing that you... By wearing the right clothes when you come, right? Yeah. So if someone showed up at our wedding wearing flip-flops and a t-shirt, you think, well, they're not really
2: honouring the, um, the celebration and kind of how important this is. And how right? much, yeah, you've invested in creating a beautiful event. Yeah. And this is a day when people are going to be making a vow. And it's, it's a, big, a big day. yeah. And then to show up in flip-flops and shorts would and be kind of... And actually, the guests actually odd. give it a lot
0: of attention, so I was at Clayton's wedding, really enjoyed the day. It was absolutely beautifully done. What we needed to consider at our house, we actually spent quite a bit of time thinking, okay, we're going to be in the backyard, but this is a wedding. And so what can we wear that would honor the event? And we would stay warm because a little bit cool that day. And we went through several outfits and thought about this and thought about that. And, you know, Mark wanted to wear a suit jacket because it's a wedding. And okay, but what would he do if it got hot? And we really thought this through because this is really important. And we turned out that a lot of women were thinking the same thing. What can I wear? It's a backyard. Wedding, we want to honor this incredible event.
2: But so, you don't want your
0: heels sinking in the grass, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. and they told us not to wear heels, your yeah, shoes. yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, this is important on the part of the guests to consider what do we need to get into that final banquet,
1: yeah. So, for our Christian faith, it's not what we wear Mm-mm. that makes us into that banquet, but what are those pieces then that make us acceptable to the host, to God? Like, what is
0: He saying is kind of the dress code to get into heaven? Well, we see in Colossians is the chapter, chapter three is what I've memorized. It often talks that what do we put on and what do we put off? That clothing Mm -hmm. language that we have to put on certain things if we want to get into that final wedding banquet. So in the work that I do here, I'm always encouraging people that part of being a true Christian, part of getting into that banquet is we need to clothe ourselves with regular confession, that we are sinful. So we need to confess our sins every hour of every day often. And we need to repent, which means we can't just confess it, say, oh, I'm sorry, and then just keep doing the same thing. We actually make an effort with the help of the Holy Spirit to change. So that's a huge part of clothing ourselves. And then another piece that people, when they meet with me, is I'm consistently urging them that we're actually called to follow Christ. We're called to be obedient. You know, in John 14, it says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And like we don't just get to do our own thing. We actually need to obey our designer. Mm-hmm. He has a plan for how we should best live our lives that we see all through his word. Yeah, And so this is something that, it's very uncomfortable conversation often for me and the people I'm working with. But if they love Christ, then they're like, oh, thank you for bringing that up. Yes,
2: I need to change that. I need to work on that. I need help with that. Yeah. Because there is a, a range of ways that people are presented with the gospel. And sometimes there's, a very, um, legalistic rule following kind mm-hmm. of way that people come into a faith and realize, okay, I have to follow all this. There's a set times of the week I need to be here and certain amount of things I need to do for confession, et cetera. And then at the other end, there's grace is everything mm-hmm. and just come as you are. Like, that's all you need to do is confess. There's nothing else. So there's these kind of extreme sides of the, of mm-hmm. the pendulum here and where we realize that there needs to be both things. There's this confession. And then there's also the piece of like studying the word and finding out, okay, what are the things I need to be doing if I'm an image bearer? Yeah. If I need to be, to strive towards being an image bearer, actually is quite a bit of work because you're shaking off the old self. Yeah. Getting rid of these... (laughs) These malicious thoughts and slanderous talk and, and gossiping and, and, and selfishness, these things, and like striving towards how can I be this forgiving person, this person who's selflessly behaving in my parenting, my marriage, my neighboring, yeah. all, all of that. Mm hmm. Yeah, and not so Greg, drunk. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Greg drew our attention to two great scripture passages, which we might not read right now, but just for you to maybe look at, if you want to pause the podcast and look at it, Philippians two verses yeah. twelve to thirteen, where it talks about the fact that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but yeah. that the Spirit works in us mm-hmm. to also give us the will to do it, and so this is combination of us working out our the way we yeah our mm-hmm. salvation mm-hmm. Um, with fear for for the Lord and for the consequences if we don't, and trembling yeah. at His word. Um, but the spirit working within us, and Second Peter one uh, five to ten, which yeah. talks about make your calling and election sure by by doing the things, by obeying the commands of the king. If he's told you that you have to wear these certain wedding clothes
0: to get in, like don't think you can just get around that and come yeah. in on your own terms. That Second Peter one uses the word diligently in my yeah. translation of the Bible. Diligently confirm your calling, and we so we need to be diligent as Christians, to take steps forward with Christ, mm-hmm. knowing that he's helping us. We don't have to do this all on our own strength. It's not a works-based, but it is definitely showing out of our love for Christ, yeah. we follow what he wants us to do.
2: Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like right at the beginning of the passage, that's the tar- part about reminding that you've escaped, yeah. you've been saved. Yeah. And from that, then there's this, Make like, every effort to yeah. live a life of virtue and well, we've been given so much in some of the language in Ephesians
0: that talks about being transferred from the domain of darkness yeah. to the kingdom of light. And yeah. I love that that image because out of we've been saved from so much. So then let's keep going forward in the kingdom of light. Yeah, let's not take that for granted.
1: Mm-hmm. So as a, as a kind of wrap-up, when Greg talked about the sermon, then he talked about the fact that you were we're not expecting perfection from anybody. No. But what we're hoping is that when you hear the word of the Lord calling to you from Scripture, convicting you, yeah. that that brings you to repentance. And yeah. that brings you to a feeling like, oh, Lord, yes, I need your help. And it brings you to prayer. And yeah. it brings you to, rather than putting up these walls of justifying your sin or justifying yourself or saying, I don't need to listen, that's gonna get you on a further trajectory away from God. Yeah. But he's saying what we want is a trajectory that's towards God, that's willing to accept the word that's given to us. Yeah.
0: And please know that the three of us are doing the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like even in the, mor- in the car this morning as I was driving here, confessing my sin, asking God for help. Like this is something I have to do regularly and I do. This is not something we're exempt from just because we've been Christians for a long time or because I have the title of pastor. Yeah. In fact, actually, the the more I know about God, the more I realize how much I have uh, to keep confessing and keep working on with his help. It's a little uncomfortable sometimes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So from there, from this recap, we wanted to go on then. So how do we do this? Because even though that you're confessing today as you drove to work, you want to still be doing that when you're 75, yeah. right? Yeah. But just because we're in a good spot with God now yeah. doesn't necessarily even guarantee that we're going to continue on. But our goal is that we finish the race, that we complete mm-hmm. what we've started, right, with God. And so we want to talk a little bit about discipleship then. What does that look like? Um, I've really come to understand the fact that evangelism in the Bible is not just someone coming to faith, it's also uh, the gift of evangelism is helping someone persevere to the end of their life yes. in faith, Yeah. right? Because if you begin, but you don't end, that does not that's not helpful at all. No. And so all of us doing the work of evangelism within our church is bringing people to Christ and then also helping each other to persevere. Yes. And so we wanna talk about that discipleship piece. How do we do that? How do we encourage each other to persevere, to hold on to the end? So I thought we wanted to read the Matthew 28 right. passage, which sets kind of the tone for discipleship, and then mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how we're implementing this at Northview. We're taking this really seriously.
2: Right. Okay, so this is Matthew 28, 18 to 20. It's right at the, f- the final verses of the book of Matthew. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age.
1: So sometimes when we read that passage, we hear the making disciples go and baptize and we yeah. kind of stop there. <laughs> but the passage goes on to say, teach them to com- or to obey all to that observe. I've commanded, observe mm-hmm. all that I've
0: commanded you. So it's an ongoing yeah. process. It's like a pursuing process. Yeah. When I taught this in the women's ministry class this spring, I talked about how we all have our learner's license. We all have that oh, yeah. L as Christians because we are learners for life. Like we are consistently being uh, disciples of Christ and we are being discipled and we are doing this process until our last breath. Yeah. And so I said, you never can get rid of your L. You always <laughs> you can't need get your the N. <laughs> Holy Spirit. You can never have your N because you can never <laughs> operate as a solo Christian without the Holy Spirit. You need that Holy Spirit with you and you need the community of faith so you can never drive on your own and this seems relevant to me because of course we've been in that process for the last few years of L to N and now one has her N gone but the other still has and so this is constant language in our house. Yeah so when we
1: like Thalia said at the beginning when our pastors have gone around to different churches to try and get ideas about how to encourage discipleship how to encourage people to persevere um, they've kind of brought it down to kind of three main ways that we're going to be able to do this as a church, as they've just investigated other models that churches have had and and what the scriptures say. And so the three main things that they feel are kind of the pillars to discipleship of what we're going to continue to encourage people to do over and over again is to be at church uh, at a weekend service. Yep to be in some sort of community group. Yes. So some sort of small group where you're gonna be poked and prodded and mm-hmm. actually people are gonna know you right. <laughs> um, and see if your faith is real or not. And then also uh, figure out a way to serve. Yeah. And so whether that's in the church or in the community, some way to use the spiritual gifts that God's given you for the good of his kingdom. Yeah. And so when, in our last membership class, Darcy was really hammering those home, those three things that we want everybody who's a disciple to grow in your discipleship at Northview to be in church, to be in a community group, and to serve. And this is, again, applicable to any church that you're at. Yeah, like, it's right. not like this is just a Northie model, it. no. it's just this is kind of how we're, the language that we're gonna continually use to frame um, what we're encouraging people to do.
0: Well, we realized, was a number of months ago, Crystal, I think at one of our pastors' meetings, one of our um, leadership pastors asked us, what are the three main things that we are striving to do as disciples in church? None of us as pastors didn't know. We didn't have an answer. And we realized, oh no, if we don't have that answer (laughs) as pastors, then clearly our congregation has no idea which three things we're really focusing on. And so we've been working on how do we clarify this for people who come to North who are new (laughs) and for people who've been here for a long time, for pastors, elders, every in leadership, how do we make disciples at Northview? So, we are in the process of clarifying this with posters and handouts and, you know, talking about it from the front and every possible way to outline attending church, being in a community group, and serving.
1: Yeah. So, you're going to hear, I think, at least three times a year, Darcy's going to have a weekend kind of vision slot where she, he's going to stand up and hammer these things home and then encourage people to get into community groups, which we'll define a little bit later in the mm-hmm. podcast. But, um, So you're going to hear this language over and over again. So we thought we'd use this podcast to kind of get you familiar with it. Yeah. So the reason Hebrews or the reason that we want the the church attendance, uh, a key kind of passage in Hebrews that kind of encourages us in this manner. I'll read uh, Hebrews 10. I'll read all 19 to 25 and then give a quick recap on it. Uh, This is the book of Hebrews talking about why the Jews should not turn back from their, their Christian faith. And so the writer of Hebrew says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, so since all the salvation piece has been done for us, there's four things he wants us to do. So, he says, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, Without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the, is in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the writer is encouraging us, first of all, to have a, a, a sincere faith and draw near to God ourselves. Uh, and let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. So let us not waver from the hope that we have. Mm-hmm. But then, this is all done in community. Like, let yeah. us do this together, not mm-hmm. you do this by yourself, right. right? And then that third and fourth commands: Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Like that's in the church body. That's what we're doing. We're considering how to stir one another up to stay, to persevere, to to do what God's commanded you to do. Yeah, we can't do that on our own. We can't no. stir ours. I mean, we can try, but <laughs> it's not that helpful, right? And then to not neglect meeting together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another is that idea of we want um, to continue meeting together in order to encourage one another
0: to persevere. And that's why attending church is not really only about you. No. It's actually about you being there to encourage the people around you. So that's why I really encourage people that if you can— Get there a few minutes early. Talk with people. Pray with people. Encourage people. Ask them about who they are. Introduce yourself. And then if you can, stay after. Again, for a few minutes, visit with those around you. Pray with someone. Encourage them. Because it is more than just you. It is actually about you giving to the church community. Now, you may not be in a season of life where you can do that because maybe you're grieving deeply. And it's all you can do to get to church. And you're crying in the back row. And you just need to leave early so no one sees you. I get that. I have been in that season. But if you can... Mm-hmm. Consider church as being, how can you serve? How can you park in the back so that the people who need the front rows can be there? How can you give of your time and your energy, which we'll get to in the serving part, but how yeah. can you
2: give to the community? Yeah. Yeah. I just, when we were saying that, I just remember going to that one church where when we, the service ended, remember when we visited that church? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Together. <laughs> yeah, And when the service yeah. ended, it was like you couldn't be going the opposite direction because everybody was the heading towards was, the door and yeah. it was like this like massive of people.
0: exodus. It was thousands of people all going in the same direction. and, room just, and no we one literally was pasted ourselves against the wall going, oh my goodness, I can't cross this. were yeah. <like, big laughs> waving hallway. at each other over. And, and th- we were kind of disturbed.
2: Like, are they not visiting with each Nobody other? Was what visiting. is going on? What is going on? Do they not know anyone here? No, and we do have a really large church here in, and that can on our happen. premises, and there is a, a sense of that sometimes, um, especially if somebody's quickly wanting to get out of the parking lot or something. But I find that there is at least in the parts of the building that I'm in, people stop and they congregate in a little uh-huh. intersection of the hallways or in a foyer. And just visit, grab a cup of tea or coffee. and Well, that church we had gone to, didn't have any kind of water,
0: coffee, tea, nothing sort of hospitality, nothing that encouraged you to kind of stay. No chairs, no tables, couches, nothing. So we realized that's one thing that's helpful at our church is we have all kinds of places it's in the church spaces. where you can get some water and coffee and tea and you can hang out Sit a little bit. Sit on a bit. couch by a fireplace, mm-hmm.
1: you could. And some of the smaller rooms like Centre Court and mm-hmm. West Court definitely facilitate that better. Yeah. But worship Centre is a little bit more. You still see groups of people that will stand in there visit between. Yeah. But it's a little bit more. People come and go. Yeah. But the West Court and, and Center Court definitely have more of that visiting, yeah, option, which is great to see. Mm-hmm. So community groups. That's the second. So church is the first pillar, kind of of discipleship. Community groups is the second. Do you want to describe kind of the different options for community groups,
0: Thalia? Sure. And first, we should say that we are really trying to stick to the language of community groups. It's hard for us because in the past few years we've had care groups and pastorates and all these other kinds of languages. And many of the churches we know have life groups and home groups and all that kind of thing. So we are trying to stick to community groups and all use the same language <laughs> so that we get on the same page. It's just a little challenging. So. So, um, yeah, let's try and to be true this. true Northview K- style, there has been
2: many names for this over the years. <laughs> yes. And for now, we're going to call we it community We are very much a church in flux. Yes. yes. Yeah.
0: That's one thing you have to be a little bit comfortable with at Northview is that we change things fairly often. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, community groups. We are really wanting to make this clear for our congregation, and it hasn't been in the past few years. We have a number of different kinds of community groups. We have groups that are based on the sermon series and they often meet in homes, mm-hmm. a variety of different sizes, and they discuss the sermon, they pray together, they care for each other in homes, a sermon-based. And then we also have Bible study-based community groups. We have men's Bible studies, women's Bible studies, and precept, both for men and for women. And what's interesting about that is that the men's Bible study is going to be new this coming fall, yeah. and the men's Bible study and the women's Bible study are going to study the same material, First Corinthians. So Crystal and her team and Greg are doing this together, designing the curriculum together. Yeah. So they're going to be studying First Corinthians from September. Do so you have a start? Date, March. September till March. Yeah. And. The style of that is you meet around tables of about 8 to 10 with two table leaders. <laughs> you do some homework review. You read the chapter together or the passage together. You look at it more deeply. You have a teaching time, and then you have an application time. And prayer time. Yeah, yep. and prayer time. Yeah.
2: Okay, so those groups sitting mm-hmm. around a table, this is not a weeping, wailing, crying <laughs> no, event. No, good point. No, yes. this is, uh, there's actually... A, just a nice little bit of time to say hello to each other at the beginning. And then we dive in. Yeah. So for those who are like, Oh, I don't want to go to a wishy washy kind of Bible study where most of the time your people are just talking about their problems. This is not the place you will definitely find it's not a, a therapy group, right? It is definitely a group where you dive right into the word and you, yeah. It, it's deep. Yeah. You're not just doing little fluffy stuff. This is more than milk and yes. honey. And people that
1: come for the first time kind of leave with their eyes wide open like yeah. this, like your neighbor came. And she was like, oh, that was a lot of stuff that we covered in the two hours. Yeah. Um, and there's not that homework. It's, yeah. Not that it's overwhelming, to. I think, but it's just, it is, it's not just a sit around conversation. It's no. actually, we're going to dig into God's word here together. And we're going to see how it applies to our life. And we're going to pray from it mm-hmm. um, as we pray for each other. So it's, yeah, very biblically based. Yeah. One
0: thing I should mention is that we are really wanting to focus on three aspects in a community group. Yeah. In order for it to officially be a community group, we need to have three components. So we need to have quality biblical content. So content is the main thing. Yeah. And then we also want to have care, which is yes. prayer and practical support. And we have want to have connection, which is the friendship piece. So those three, content care and connection and if a group has those three things then we will say well a few other things but then they are officially a community group at Northview
1: yeah so this has been a bit of a shift even for like our precept group to think about themselves as a community group Mm -hmm. but they do have those three pieces so even our our Monday Night Precept which is a larger group kind of meeting together for the teaching time. They have small groups in which they are discussing biblical content. There's a places for them to care and get to know each other and support each other. And there's that community or connection piece. Yep. And so they are technically falling under that category, which should sound as a relief to people who are in the precept group, knowing that they don't, we're not going to encourage them or force them to be in another group in addition to their, like their precept Bible study isn't in a separate category. If you're in a precept group, if you're in a Wednesday morning Bible study, if you're a man in the Wednesday night Bible Mm -hmm. study or in mission, they have the 33 series for one more year there. You are part of a community group. So don't feel like you have to add an extra thing in your schedule in order to grow as a disciple. We're saying we want to validate what you're doing and saying that is going to be part of your growth.
0: Yeah. Crystal, can you talk a little bit about the precept groups? Uh, Not everybody is familiar with that.
1: Yeah. So precept is a great inductive Bible study, um, which has been around for years. It's just a curriculum based uh, Bible study that comes out of Tennessee and there's also a, a Uh, Canadian chapter of it and so our group here at Northview just they walk through kind of books of the Bible together Uh, they just did the book of James they finished off and then the book of Jonah this spring and so um, they meet on Monday nights currently and Thursday mornings there may be another group joining starting up next year Um, and uh, it's basically uh, just a very in-depth Bible study so The homework range is a little bit harder or a bit longer investment, maybe, than some of our other ones. Our men's and women's studies are about an hour and a hour to an hour and a half of homework per week, whereas the precepts is more like you know three and a half to five hours of homework per week. So, they're both great. They're both inductive. Like our men's and women's studies are both. In diving into God's word and trying to get at God's word, um, just through our own study, not through mm-hmm. lots of other commentaries, and just really feasting on the word of God itself. Yeah. Um, but the precept one just has a little bit more option if you want. If you want an extra challenge and you love that getting deeper into God's word, it's a good option. Yeah. So, they like I said, Monday nights and Thursday mornings is when they meet.
0: And if you and there's you are a men's
1: group as well. There is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if you are a community group leader and you're listening to us, we are going to have training three Saturday mornings per year. Just before the start of each term starts, we're going to do approximately 10-week terms, fall, winter, and then spring might be a bit shorter. Before each of those terms start, we're going to have a leadership morning for the community group leader. So whether you're a home-based community or you're a men's table leader or a women's table leader, we're all going to be together, and we're going to be doing training based on those three areas, content, care, and connection, yeah. And this coming year, you, yeah. yeah, as leaders, yeah. This coming year, the elders are going to sit each at a separate table, and they are going to oversee a group of community group leaders. So we really want to make sure there is care for them, there's accountability for them, that they are supporting the leaders under them. Yeah, and we'll do
1: the same for women and men's ministry in the sense that um, some of our large group leaders. Um, for like a Monday night study, we'll have, they'll be at a table and they'll have maybe six other table leaders around them. And they'll, they will be that contact care person for those six table leaders. Um, same kind of idea for the men's ministry. So they will be key leaders kind of mm-hmm. shepherding um, six or eight other kind of leaders who are underneath them Yeah. and growing them in their abilities to, to be leaders.
0: Yeah. Anything else we want to say on that? No. Okay. So the third part is the serve. And Jeff has said this in our messages from the front that We value serving as Christians, but it doesn't have to be at Northview. It could be in the community as a Christian. So, you know, a person who's coaching hockey or coaching baseball or involved as a dance mom carpooling all kinds of kids. These are valid ways to serve, and we want to encourage that. But yes, we have lots of ways you can serve also in Northview, and we'd love to have you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I'd encourage you if you are serving outside of the church to make it known that you are a Christian and that maybe some of the reasons that you're serving if it's appropriate and using that as a gospel proclamation piece, you know, so that people don't just think, oh, that he's a nice guy or she's a nice girl. Um, But actually say, like, I'm serving and, I, you know, these are my values that I'm bringing into the situation and I want to encourage your son or daughter on my team um, based on this and and be open about who you are and what you believe.
2: Yeah, good call. Yeah.
1: So the one other piece, just so that you know as well with the community groups, which I think is a great idea, is that as Thaley mentioned, we're going to have three kind of 10 week terms that we're going to encourage the community groups to fall under and have training at the start of each one, each one of them. And so a second component to that is that there will be three eight week community groups that start two weeks into the semester. And so that if people are kind of at this point where I want to get part of a group, but I haven't started into anything yet, and I don't know where to start. These eight-week community groups will start a few weeks in, and they can kind of take anyone that's left over. So mm-hmm. anyone that's new to the church that doesn't have a place to plug in, they can just all go there. You can all start something together. Yeah, and they meet at the church.
0: Yeah. So it's a nice oh. place. Yeah. So you don't have to go into a home and kind of figure where These, is that home and yeah. I don't know where to park and all that kind of thing. It's at the church. There's lots of parking. There's lots of space, so we can have them as mm-hmm. big as they need to be. And you can get to know people. And then from there, sometimes those eight week groups form become, into become a community, community group, group. Yeah. That then will meet in a home.
1: Yeah. And during those eight weeks, you kind of discern who would be a good leader for that group, and then it kind of starts the process. So it's a great way because right. sometimes it's the people who are new to a community don't want to enter a group that's been meeting together for ten or twelve years. Like it should be a welcoming place for people to enter but sometimes it's the, there's a safety in saying we're all new at this together yeah and right. we want to start on the same page same day and just join in so that's a great kind of additional piece that Hank and Darcy are adding in mm-hmm. this next year that every year every semester we'll have that eight-week group starting up so yeah yeah, yeah. so I hope that's been informative to you <laughs> we went through a lot there on how we get into the banquet of heaven um, we want to accept the invitation that is given to us. We have time now, right? Yeah. The, the Christ has not yet returned. So let's yeah. accept that invitation. Let's not just diss it or throw it in the garbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging
2: Him and growing.
1: Yeah. 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 And let's be open to wearing the right clothes, to clothing ourselves <laughs> yeah. in um, the attributes that God wants us to yeah. have. Why don't you pray, Crystal? Sure. Lord, we thank you that your scriptures are so clear um, about what is required, that you're not giving us some secret hidden code that we need to figure out, um, but you say in the scripture what we need to get into heaven, and it's it's being willing to accept that invitation and being willing to listen to you and your commands and follow the ways that you have us live. So Lord, we know that there still still are obstacles in the way of that in our own hearts. Um, we don't want to have a Lord and Master sometimes. We want to do things our own way. We <clears throat> We love our sin or cherish our sin. And so, Lord, we just pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would break through anything that's stopping us uh, from being at that banquet, whether that's in the lives of the three of us here around the table or anyone that's listening, Lord. We pray that you would just continue to nudge us and mm-hmm. compel us and convict us and bring us to that place of repentance so that when the final day comes, we are there at that banquet with you. So, Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit reveals truth to us, and that you grow us as we walk with, um, walk in line with you. And we just pray that you continue to do that in all of our lives, and that our hearts would stay soft towards you. So, we pray these things in your name,
0: Amen. Thanks for joining us.